0: All right, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast live from Freedom Fest in South Dakota. My name is Nate Thurston, and with me today is Brad Palumbo from the Breaking Boundaries podcast with Brad Palumbo, by the way, great podcast. And, of course, we read his articles from fee.org all the time. Thank you for constantly providing content for the podcast. We appreciate that.
1: You're welcome. I'm going to start charging an interest rate. Yeah,
0: I, I, I've i been waiting for that email where you send me an <laughs> <laughs> invoice uh, a, a little bit sometimes i'm like do do a uh, fee and reason and all these other websites want to provide because this content?
1: we're a non yeah. you're actually allowed to use what however much whatever it's all available okay. via creative commons so unfortunately i can't stick you with a bill as much as i'd like to
0: that, that's good to know i'll go back to just using them at all, at all times that's that's all we'll do is just pirate all of your stuff no no um we <laughs> We really love the way that you break things down because we're, we're kind of heading in a bad direction right now, have been for quite some time. One might say. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think that this all just happened in the last year or so. This has been building and building for a long time. So um, you're doing this panel here in a bit, and I wanted to yeah. talk to
1: you about this. What's it called again? It's Boomers versus Zoomers, Who's the Biggest Threat to Freedom? <laughs> Gen Z versus Boomer. And who are you representing? So I'm I'm Gen Z. I'm technically a member of the generation. So I will be arguing that the biggest threat to freedom is the baby boomer generation. Okay.
0: Okay. That's an interesting argument. And. and uh, even though I tend to agree with you, maybe I'll try the devil's advocate a little bit today, but uh, we've talked about this a lot, that uh, we are we are dealing with things that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents were okay. They were okay with the government growing and growing and taking just a little bit more liberty at all times, and they they talk about how they love the Constitution and the Founding Fathers, and what I really hope that the, the boomers find out sometime is that the Founding Fathers would consider them on the British side a lot of the times, and uh, that might be pretty harsh, but uh, I don't know if you should add that in, you might actually get removed from the stage. But I don't know, give, me, give me some of what you're thinking on this.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'll start with the disclaimer that when we're talking about generations, it's way overly broad, right? It doesn't mean any individual. Any individual baby boomer does not necessarily hold these beliefs or have any fault for these things. So the same way, like not all Gen Zs are communists, but I guess like most of them are, to be honest. But the thing that I will say is that as a generation. The baby boomers have voted certain ways, put certain people in power, and that's fundamentally the key. Millennials, Gen Z, we don't have the power. Congress is run by boomers. The presidents are run by boomers and Gen X, right? these at the people right now it will change in the future but our situation today and our outcomes today are not really a product of gen z supporting socialism or whatever it's mostly a product of the decades before that was largely under baby boomer and, and gen x uh control and so that's i think the, the thing that i i, I want to point out is that so many of our problems today can be traced back to that right mm-hmm. who was it that got us 28 trillion dollars in debt it wasn't gen z it was the baby boomers right and others as well but i'm saying we can talk about this in these broad terms even though it is fundamentally not a- applicable to any individual there's still something to be learned from looking at the generations as groups
0: and what you what you might be asked about that is a or a comment made back uh, could say well we're talking about for the future so starting from right now let's assume that we have this so we could say we could place blame on the on the state of the country on the boomers right now but who is it currently that actually wants to remove the most liberty from the most amount of people? Would it be the Gen Z crowd, or would it be the boomers crowd? And uh, what if someone says something like that? Like, are the Gen Zers uh, more tyrannical than than the boomers are?
1: Yeah, it's hard exactly to weigh that. But I'd say, first off, the history does matter because those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it, right? So if we aren't willing to critically look back at what got us to where we are today, we'll make the same mistakes. But in terms of who is more anti-liberty or more down the dark path, it absolutely is true that in some ways Gen Z is worse, right? Like more Gen Z people support socialist health care. But, and we have to talk about baby boomers, Boomers are the ones who say they hate socialism, but throw their walker against the wall in a fit of rage if you touch their social security. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who call young people entitled, but expect the rest of society to pay for their healthcare via Medicare, right? (laughs) This is the generation that says they support religious freedom, they're, for Christians especially, but yeah, okay, we're okay with banning all Muslims from entering the country. (laughs) They're the ones that say college students are snowflakes because they don't support free speech, yet they think burning the flag should be illegal. So, as much as Gen Z has many of these anti-liberty beliefs, baby boomers do too.
0: But, uh, you know, uh, what I would say also, in addition to that, I guess now I'm taking uh, your side now on this. You've already won me over. Great job. You did a great (laughs) job. Um, You know, the, the Gen Zers, they want socialist healthcare, right? Well, what has happened to make them think that? The healthcare pricing is so astronomical right now. We are in such a terrible condition right now that, of course, of course people are growing up thinking that there has to be a solution to this problem. They think there needs to be a government solution to this problem because their parents and grandparents parents thought there needed to be a government solution exactly. to the problem. And now they're in this system where they can't afford to pay for anything. Healthcare is much too expensive. And they can't afford to pay for anything. And of course, they're looking
1: to the same people their parents look to to fix all the problems that they're going through. The government. And that's the thing here, is that I don't defend Gen Z, really, for having such far-left beliefs, for not supporting free speech, for supporting socialism, for hating capitalism. All those are bad and wrong beliefs. I'm not exactly defending Gen Z as much as I'm saying, why do they have those? Beliefs. It's because of the status quo that they wrongly identify as what capitalism and conservatism and the Constitution got us, right? They see a, a totally broken and dysfunctional healthcare system. They see massive concentrated corporate power. They view that and they see capitalism. But in reality we can trace many of these things that have created this dysfunctional status quo back to the big government supported by past generations. The corporate welfare, the endless wars, the $28 in government spending, the massive expansions of government health care, all these things that broke the system, much of it can be traced back to previous generations and it created this dysfunctional status quo which has what, it's what has led Gen Zers to stop believing in these things, because they wrongly identify what we have now with those values because past generations did not practice what they preach.
0: Well, They didn't do a good job conserving the, the Constitution, uh, conserving the ideas of individual liberty, that uh, that luckily we had the the founding fathers come, they fought a war, they put their lives on the line, they they created a country where we we have inalienable rights, that we, we are given these rights uh, by, by God or our Creator or nature or whatever it is, and the government protects those things. And instead, they come into this world where, uh, and also you want to mention, the Gen Zers were raised by these people. So when you, are, when you are raised to think, oh, we need the government to solve the problems that I think the government needs to solve. Because that's really what they were told. This government handout or this government program, I'm okay with this. And so the actual principle you're learning is, if it's something that I want, then I can be. Then that's okay for me to want the government to solve that because that's the same thing that my parents and grandparents did. You mentioned Social Security and, and Medicare, and what people would say back to that is, well, they were promised that. They paid into it. They were promised to get those things, but. It, don't people end up taking out more than what they actually paid in?
1: Oh, yeah, and yeah. also the thing is, we're being promised it, too. Young people are being promised Social Security that you absolutely will never get. <laughs> it will go bust long before you ever see a dime, but you're still, it's its basically a, pure, a pyramid scheme. A Ponzi, a Ponzi scheme, scheme, Ponzi going scheme right? right? And, and we are going to be the ones left holding the empty bag, so while I have some sympathy for older generations who were promised that if they pay in, they'd get out, well, it's not a solution to just say, well, we'll just pass the bag to the younger people. And that's the problem, is that young people today have a, I think, fairly justifiable frustration with the baby boomer generation because of the hypocrisy, right? They say that young people have no morals, right? Because they whatever it is right the different kind of social trends lgbt whatever but baby boomers lined up behind the thrice married philandering adulterer who grabbed about bragging uh, who bragged about grabbing women by the pussy (laughs) so it's like this hypocrisy from this generation has pushed millennials and young people and gen z in the opposite direction and while they're still wrong to go in that direction I kind of understand why we got there, and some of the blame has to go back to the top.
0: The idea about Trump, for sure, I mean, we we talked about this a lot, but you lose any principled legs to stand on after you decide that you're going to treat this guy like he's some kind of prophet for you. I mean, the same people who were so religious, uh, they didn't support gay marriage. They, they They won't support drug legalization. They won't support anything like this, but then they get behind Donald Trump? and then they treat him like he's the, the can savior. No he can do no wrong they the children the the people that, that were raised by that generation are taught that you should have no principles that everything should be subjective because uh, i think people who believe in in more liberty uh, believe in the constitution A lot of them like to pretend like they're objective about everything, but they really aren't. They just happen to uh, agree with some of those principles subjectively. (laughs) And they're actually being subjective at all times because a lot of the times they don't believe in those principles. And then they raise the next generation and they put them in a terrible, terrible situation like you just said. Healthcare is way too expensive. You know that that is a that is true. There's a lot of homeless people, but uh, there's always going to be homeless it, unless you actually solve the problem of uh, people being productive in society. That you're not going to solve homelessness. But uh, they've they've put a lot of people in prison for never harming anyone. You know and they, yeah. they've created the situation that we're in right now. And then as a as a young person growing up, you're thinking, well, this has to be solved. And what are you gonna to look to to solve it if also the generation before you didn't teach you that individual liberty was uh, should take principle over everything?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that, that's the whole problem with this thing is that because they were so hypocritical with these good principles, free markets, limited government, the Constitution, free speech, all these things are amazing principles, but because the previous generations, the typical boomer Republicans, right, they were so selective in their application, that discredited those principles with young people. And unfortunately, young people haven't been alive long enough to remember why socialism is so bad, mm-hmm. right? They weren't alive during the Soviet Union, during the Cold War. They weren't alive. Uh, well, they are alive now to see uh, some of the things in China, but during the many of the past uh, years of repression in China, they weren't around, Right. Now they can see things like Venezuela or Cuba, but they're told by the, that that's not real socialism. And, of course, they don't know real capitalism, because it hasn't been shown to them. So that's, I think, what's so frustrating is that the young people end up in this position where they have bad beliefs, and I don't defend their beliefs, but we've failed. We've utterly failed in terms of, I say we, I shouldn't count myself because it's not me, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's the generations that came before us. They failed to show us what liberty in action and the American principles that they, that they espoused would actually look like if successfully and fully consistently implemented. And so what they gave us was this half-assed, inconsistent version that now young people People despise.
0: All right, so are you frustrated with the media? Are you tired of being fed the same news stories over and over again? One of the reasons we started this podcast is to give you a more well-rounded perspective on important issues. That's, that's very true. That is true. So our partners at Ground News are working to do the same, and boy, they are. It's really cool, actually. Yeah, Ground News, So just so you guys know, this is a really cool app. I've got it on my phone. I've been using it for getting show notes for the show. We found out about this a little bit ago, and I'm really excited that we get to tell you about it now. But it's an app that lets you compare how a single news story is being covered across the entire political spectrum, okay? This is not just a news aggregator. It's a tool with tons of easy-to-use features. They help you analyze the news so you can be confident you're getting the whole story. Unlike social media and other news apps, Ground News doesn't use your browsing history to manipulate your news feed. Their blind spot feature shows you stories that are underreported by both the left and the right. So it's this really cool app that we're gonna ask you to go to through our link that when you look at a story, it shows you how much it's being covered by right-leaning news sites, how much it's being covered by left-leaning news sites, is it being covered by both of them pretty equally. And it shows you what the bias is overall, so you know what kind of bias you're getting from each one of these news organizations. It's you, a really cool app. And you can pick up keywords like rare. Mm-hmm, rare. All right, so if you're the kind of person who's open to seeing multiple perspectives on controversial issues, then Ground News is for you. Check out Ground News by visiting groundground.news/gml. That's Ground dot news slash gml or click the link in the description to download the free app now what would be interesting to know is okay you're gen z how how are you the person that you are right now because you came up in this system uh, you came up with all the same problems that everyone else is. So what what was it that was different
1: in, in your life that led you to where you are right now? Or were you just kind of born with yeah. those principles? Well, the same way that all baby boomers aren't responsible for the things that I've been talking about. Not all Gen Zs are communists or <laughs> think there are a thousand genders. Uh, <laughs> and I certainly don't. And And part of that is because... I I came of age and grew up in such a far left bubble, right? I I think we may have talked about this before, but I went to the only openly Marxist economics uh, school in the country at the University of Massachusetts. And it was like such a woke campus that on the day after Trump was elected, they had like cry in sessions, and all the classes were just uh, listening sessions. And so, It was like a campus in mourning. You would have thought it was 9-11, or 9-12, rather. Uh, and, And so that really turned me off to a lot of that. Yet at the same time, I came to these values and these beliefs despite the boomer hypocrisy, despite the rise of Donald Trump saying, entitlements are fine, we won't touch them, but socialism is bad, despite all those hypocrisies. Because there were enough principled voices and sources out there that I could reach, But for every person like me, there's so many more young people that have seen the excesses of the left at UMass, like a campus like that that's so far left. There's like 30 percent of the student body that's far left has drunk the Kool-Aid. The rest, there's like 10 or 20 percent that's quietly conservative or libertarian or Republican. The rest, that big middle is just not really on board with the far left but they kind of just go along to get along they don't say anything they don't speak out they just let the sjw's run run and the reason that they they kind of end up just begrudgingly become democrats or like democrats by default is because this alternative doesn't exist that's principled and shown to them and offered to them and instead People like me end up finding, you know, some principled publications. I read the Wall Street Journal, the National Review, right? I I voted for Gary Johnson, right? He had a consistent message, even if it was expressed in a rather goofy manner much of the time. (laughs) But if if what you see is like Donald Trump or the boomer the boomer kind of message of this hypocrisy that we've discussed. These young people don't feel like they have an alternative, and so they end up just kind of leaning to the left, to the Democrats by default.
0: They end up leaning that way, I think, a lot of times because they want to feel like they're going to do something to help people. And that's that's one thing I talked to uh, Spike Cohen about earlier is that... Actually, we, you know, you you can make emotional arguments, and I think a lot of times younger people are grabbed by those emotional arguments, and they see something to, they see a homeless person, or they see someone who can't afford uh, cancer treatment, or something like that, and they they want to feel like they're helping. Now, of course, they're helping by wanting to take money from other people and then and then do that. They're not actually helping on their own, but maybe they feel like that's helping by them voting for that for that policy. I guess I don't know. Uh, but we've actually got a really good emotional argument. The things that we talk talk about that can can actually save lives that the government has led to a potentially I mean you could talk about the FDA not approving a lot of drugs that that could have potentially right. saved people just an easy one right there not to mention all the mismanagement I don't want to call it communism you know the mismanagement from gen, mismanagementism that has been going on uh, around the country where people end up dying that maybe wouldn't have and How do you think we can make that argument to these young people who I think are driven by that emotional need to help people?
1: Right. And so I like Ben Shapiro, but he has this saying facts don't care about your feelings. It's totally true. Facts are facts and they are objective. But it is kind of like the boomer approach to arguing with the left. Even though he is a younger person, his base is kind of that older Republican audience. Because in reality, feelings don't care about your facts. This is just the the science of human persuasion. Stories, emotion, people. Those are the things that convince people and change their minds. Not data and studies and graphs. As much as that should be, I don't disagree, that should be how people decide their positions. It's just not. So, for example, I did a panel at Freedom Fest on the $15 minimum wage. And I was explaining to all the other people on the panel, we're older, much older uh, professors of economics and free marketeers, but I was explaining to them, young people think that the $15 minimum wage is what they need to do to help people. So you can start talking to them about supply and demand and show them some graphs or whatever, but you've already seeded the moral high ground. So instead, start talking about the victims of the minimum wage right? The teenagers who never get started on the economic ladder of opportunity. The women and minorities who are statistically shown to be more likely to be the ones that lose their jobs because of the minimum wage. All of these ways that it helps big corporations like Amazon is actively lobbying for the fight for 15 because they know it will bankrupt mom and pops. We need to reclaim the moral high ground on these positions and make compassionate, people-focused, and emotional arguments in addition to the facts and in addition to the objective sources, because otherwise you're just not going to convince people. Yeah, that that's something that
0: we we try to do a lot. We try to not do too much uh, dumb bleep stuff and make fun of people. Although
1: that's really fun. I do love dumb bleep of it's, the week though. It's the easiest it.
0: thing to do, and so it's always nice Friday. Oh, I found some pictures. Let's just make fun of people for a little bit. That's uh, that's really easy to do. We always have like 30, 40 submissions, and we got to do like five or six of them, something like that. But we really, <laughs> when you're working on maybe trying to. Convert someone or to maybe plant the seed that the government is not the way to fix things. Individual liberty is better. Uh, trying to pound it in their head that they're an idiot is not really the way. Right. Is not really the way to do it. And, and and we recognize that a lot. So going about it like that, talking about the victims of the minimum wage, is a much better solution. What I'm worried about is what they'll say is those people are only victims because of the greedy capitalists that doesn't want to pay those people what they're worth and so what we have to do is get the the government involved in in all the wages or we just have to make sure that we subsidize their wages and and some that like we've had so much propaganda on this we have so much manipulation on this that
1: it's tough to make the arguments because they'll just fall back to greed right so you know? i this and this is where we get into interesting territory i come from ec- the economics discipline and that's where i would immediately pivot to what would i wouldn't use the, this word but public choice economics there is this naive misconception among many people who haven't studied economics that businesses are self-interested and profit seeking so far true but the government acts in the public interest that's simply not true because the government is run by people and all people fundamentally make decisions in their self interest not just in their own personal self-interest but your self-interest includes your family's interests your community's interest it includes a bunch of different things but The idea that businesses are selfish and greedy, but government bureaucrats and regulators and politicians are benevolent and will just act in people's best interests, is just actually farcical if you talk about it, right? It's a joke. No one would actually think that, but that underlies so much of this progressive thinking. And so what often helps is, I met an interesting person at the conference this weekend. She is an anti-death penalty activist, a friend of my friend, Hannah Cox, uh, and she started out as kind of a lefty who got into anti-death penalty advocacy. And she realized quickly that the government was horrible at this. They kept killing the wrong people, They were wasting so much money on this years of of this horrible system, and then they were botching it, and the whole thing was a complete disaster because the government could not do a good job of this basic thing, and it was having literally life and death consequences. She basically got red-pilled to libertarianism because of, or I guess you would call it yellow-pilled, right? (laughs) But like, because once she was able to see how the government was hurting innocent people, how the criminal justice system was punishing the disadvantaged and the marginalized, Anna was able to take her from that spot and show her how that applies to the labor market, how that applies to trade, how that applies to subsidies and intervention and regulations that help the big businesses because the lobbyists write the rules. And so I would say to people, the first thing we have to do is connect with progressives in the areas where they can see that the government is hurting people and ask them why, if they do believe that the criminal justice system, for example, is racist and oppressive, they wanna give those people trillions more of our dollars. It's the same people it's, it's, it's literally the I, same people
0: well you don't get you, like you think that all cops are racist And also like only cops should have guns. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> exactly. I feel like that doesn't make any sense like when I think about that but uh, uh, I guess in in some ways people can work that out. I love that you brought up the the death penalty thing because that is something that I'm trying to get that I've been feeling more and more emotions about I guess uh, because of that but man, the idea that we allow the government to prove that someone did something wrong kind of and then kill them afterwards and we uh, we trust that the government actually uh, didn't do anything wrong during that how is it that so many people now we'll talk about uh I add this in your boomers thing maybe but um how is it that so many people who think that the government is corrupt and shouldn't have so much power and that we can't trust them and that we can't trust politicians and can't trust the elected officials uh that when it comes to killing people that they're going to do a really great job and they're not going to skip any steps and everything's going to be on the up and up.
1: Yeah, I think it's because of the emotion. So, like, in principle or in theory, I think I would support the death penalty. If the idea is that we could take serial child rapists and serial killers and kill them and never kill an innocent person and never botch botch it and only get the guilty, I don't think I would necessarily be opposed to that. But the problem is we live in the real world and that's not what happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so... Just to give you an example, the federal government during the COVID stimulus sent billions of dollars to dead people. Mm-hmm. Literally mailed checks to dead people. It sent millions and millions of dollars to random foreign citizens in other countries who are not citizens of the American uh, of America. It sent them stimulus checks because at one point they had worked decades ago in the U.S. and had a social security number. They literally sent billions of dollars to dead people and random foreigners. And they actually lost, if you count all the fraud, five times more money to fraud and unemployment employment benefits than they did promoting the COVID vaccines.
0: We talked about that. We talked about that. And so
1: my point is that you trust these people to figure out who's guilty of crimes beyond any doubt and kill them. Yeah, I certainly don't. And you can look at how many cases there are where somebody is on death row for years and killed, and then exonerated by some DNA evidence or some new thing that comes to the scene. And I don't think it's it's consistent with limited government beliefs to support the death penalty in practice. Even though in theory, I don't know there there's necessarily anything wrong with it. In practice, obviously it's flawed.
0: Well, yeah. In theory, I could say um, if I if I saw you kill some, if I saw you kill John right now, just randomly. Well, John in that did, case, you'd be
1: like, eh, hey, whatever.
0: John, yeah, well, okay, we'll use someone else. If I saw you uh, kill <laughs> Sorry, that, that nice lady over there, and then I would feel that you should get the death penalty for doing that. I, I would. But the problem is I'm not going to be able to see any. I'm not going to be able to see every single death that happens, every single murder that happens. Um, I could then, if that were the principle, I could just tell some authority that I saw someone else do something if I wanted to do that. And that, so, you really, even if you believe in the principle that you kill someone, so you deserve the death penalty. How do you ever actually trust it? It's not possible.
1: Yeah, you really can't. Especially because, in order to support it, you must have that same naive belief about government that they just act in the public interest. In reality, like prosecutors have their own interests, and that's to convict as many people as possible, regardless of whether they're actually guilty, Mm -hmm. right? Their conviction rate is a a badge of honor to them. And we do have defense attorneys for that reason to to push back against that. But I'm saying that's why there's prosecutorial misconduct. That's why they cover up exonerating evidence. That's why, I mean, just look at Kamala Harris when she was Mm -hmm. a prosecutor, how much dirty stuff she did to put innocent people in jail to further her political ambitions. She's not the exception. She's not a particularly horrible prosecutor and I'm not saying prosecutors are all horrible but I'm saying she was in the same incentive structure as everyone else in that kind of a job and she did the same things that human behavior would lead to in that incentive structure. So you can't support that if you acknowledge the basic truth that the government and government actors are just as self-interested as everybody else so much of progressive thinking and also on some issues like the death penalty conservative thinking uh, it, it relies on this idea that the government is mother Teresa, right and is has almost like a saint-like virtue in perfect knowledge and also in perfect intentions in the public interest which is basically never true so then on those positions, I just don't think they're tenable. And
0: I think this is a, a good thing for the panel that you're about to do, actually, because it would be interesting to know, and I don't know the stats on this, what percentage of boomers would support the death penalty, what percentage of boomers support people being put in prison for marijuana possession uh, for or for selling, uh, because you're literally talking about, and those things reverberate onto our society right now. This leads to the calls, uh, the people talking about systemic racism. The, this, this leads to people talking about uh, a, a lot of the reasons that I think some some people are protesting right now. And so what percentage of that generation would support putting people who never heard anyone else into a prison cell for X amount of years or think that the government is, is so all-knowing that they should be allowed to kill people when they decide that someone did something wrong? If you think the government should be allowed to kill people, why wouldn't they be allowed to run the healthcare system or to run everything else? You're literally talking about taking someone's life. Or spend your money and tax yeah. you more. Why wouldn't they be able to? They know everything. They can literally take a life. And so the, the principles have been really messed up here. Yeah, um, t- I want you to tell everyone where they can go to listen to the podcast, anything else that you have going yeah. on.
1: So search Breaking Boundaries on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or just follow me on social media, Brad Palumbo, P-O-L-U-M-B-O. I'm also on YouTube, putting a lot of the stuff over there. Just have a new exclusive interview with Rand Paul up on the channel, talking about Dr. Fauci and the public health bureaucracy, how it failed us. Uh, so he's a boomer, and he's actually pretty consistent on this stuff. So see, you guys, I don't hate mm-hmm. all boomers. Uh, so people should check that out if they like what I have to say, even though I'm one of these Gen Z communists.
0: I, I love, by the way, in that interview, it was nice to hear Rand have enough time uh, to go. I'm sorry, I don't know him. It, it was nice to hear Senator Paul go into to uh, have enough time to talk about uh, a little bit of the ideology, a little bit of
1: libertarianism. He was talking about some Hayek, of the fa- and, Hayek, and I, I heard that. a I very like, philosophical guy. You don't yeah. get to see it, because he's normally just in two-minute sound bites on TV, but yeah. he's a very I've, I've interviewed him, got to know him a fair bit now. He's a very philosophical guy. Honestly, they say that he's more of a libertarian than his dad.
0: Yeah, and people don't know that I've I, I have felt that way. I've always been a big supporter of his, but because we haven't heard that from him, people just think that he's this political... Uh, but
1: that's more know. the media's fault than yeah. him because, for example, when I testified before the Senate at his invitation in the Senate Small Business Committee, he gave a long opening statement. And his opening statement talked about Henry Hazlitt. It talked about Bastiat. But the part that they clipped about it that went viral on and the media reported was the part about Fauci, right? <laughs> and so... I I get what you're saying, and it's unfortunate, but it's not really his fault. No, I'm not saying it is. It's just just, the media and our attention spans these days, they really focus on the flashy stuff. And that's what I like about podcasting, Mm -hmm. and I like about your podcast and my podcast, is we can get a little deeper than that. Yeah, maybe he should start a podcast. That would be good. I don't think he—he's not the most tech-savvy of guys. (laughs) His team around him is great and helps him with all that. But that might be a little bit— I don't know, next gen for him. Yeah.
0: Brad, thank you so much for your time today, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on.